Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him. Somebody shout and give God glory. Somebody shout and give God praise. Come on, on a Wednesday night, devil, you're still a liar. You ought to let the devil know and your neighbor know. I've got a victory in Jesus right now. Hallelujah. I can lift my hands and there's no longer chains there. I can dance with liberty and know that it was because of the blood of the Lamb that I'm able to stand here and dance before the Lord. Come on, let, the, let all the hell know. You tried to kill me, but God resurrected me. You tried to take me out, but God raised me up. I got victory. Somebody give him praise here tonight. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ain't nothing wrong with celebrating. There's nothing wrong with giving God praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, let's take a few moments and love him for just, amen, for who he is and what he's done. We give you praise here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the victory in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify him here today. Come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's magnify him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe the devil's beating you up all week and, and, and you came to this house not knowing where you stood. I want to remind you, in spite of what maybe you felt and the blows you've been dealt, God has still got victory for you here tonight and you can walk out victorious. You can walk out liberated. You can walk out forgiven. You can walk out delivered. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. It feels so good to be in the house of the Lord here tonight and to feel what we feel. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody excited to be in church? Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of Exodus, chapter 19 and beginning at verse number 3. Hallelujah. Amen. Thankful for what we feel in the presence of the Lord here tonight just feeling God's presence I don't want to ever take it for granted that we can come and experience this every single service and I want to tell everybody that I know and everybody that I meet I want to tell them about this wonderful encounter with God that we have every single service and uh, just just remind people you know when they when they weren't at church or uh, they maybe haven't been to church yet you just got to tell them how excited you are about what God's doing in your life Hallelujah. Has anybody ever met a depressed salesman? Okay. Well, depressed, well, you probably don't want this. and You know, it's overpriced. No, 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 no. Because to be effective, you've got to be, you've got to be excited about what you're selling. Here's the best part, though. We're not selling Jesus. It's completely free. Hallelujah. And so there's something to be excited about. When you remember what God's done for you, you want to tell everybody else what God can do for them. Hallelujah. In Jesus' wonderful name. Exodus chapter 19 and verse number 3. I've been feeling to uh, just kind of teach and preach a little bit along these lines for the next little while. Um, and uh, as you're turning there to those verses, how many enjoyed this last week of services with Pastor Aaron Mayo? 
Amen. What a wonderful encounter with God we had on Sunday. It was just wonderful to see the altars filled up with people. And, and uh, you know, many of us can testify what he preached on Sunday. It was uh, maybe some things that we would say were unfortunate that led us to God, but because it led us to God, it became fortunate in our lives. And I'm thankful that God makes all things good. How about you? Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 19 and beginning in verse number 3. The Bible says, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say unto the house of Jacob, And tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I have done unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you out on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Skipping down to verse number 10. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people, and sanctify them today for tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai, and thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you go not up into the mountain or touch the border of it. For whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not be an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be man or whether it be beast, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, then they shall come up to the mount. He tells Moses, gives him clear instructions. You are to set boundaries for the people around the mountain. And whoever comes near the border of it or touches the mountain, it's going to end tragically. And I want to teach, preach, preach whatever God has for us here tonight on this question. Where does the mountain start? Where does the mountain start? Would you set down your Bibles and we let's pray all across this house. And let's ask God to talk to us here today. I believe that the Holy Ghost is moving in this house. And I pray, God, that you would anoint me with your words, God, that I would speak your word in such a way that our hearts would receive it, that it would be done with grace for the hearers, that it could be metabolized and, and something to be uh, utilized in their lives. I pray that this would bless all of us here tonight. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time as we are seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Where does the mountain start? The Bible lets us know that God saved Israel out of Egypt. We've been delving into this for a while and I think what's important about the Old Testament is that it gives us, the Bible says it was written for our learning, upon whom the ends of the world are come, our learning and our admonition. The Word of God's got a lot of lessons and a lot of uh, principles that are being presented through the Old Testament, but there's also doctrine that is being presented. There's also 
uh, precepts and principles that we can gather out of it. We're getting typology. We're seeing foreshadowing of the New Testament church, the sacrifice of Jesus. And we see here that God delivers them out of Egypt. We know that he did this with many signs and many wonders. But ultimately, the way that Egypt, or the way that Israel got saved out of Egypt, is they had to have the blood of the Lamb on their doorpost. They had to get up out of their house. They had to cross the Red Sea. Amen. They had to, they had to repent of their sins. They had to be baptized in Jesus' name. The Bible says they were all baptized unto Moses in the Red Sea and in the cloud. This is the way that Jesus would say it. Amen. That a man has to be born again of water and of spirit or they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Marvel not. Don't be shocked by it. You must be born again. We're seeing this through the Old Testament, but it's pointing us unto Jesus. Amen. It still takes baptism in Jesus' name to be saved. And somebody said amen. It still takes receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues to be saved. And somebody shout, Amen. And so Israel gets saved out of Egypt. But we find how God saved them in our opening text. The Bible is letting them know and reminding them that I saved you, but I want to tell you how I saved you. He said, I bore you out on eagles wings amen this is a main a symbol that god saved them just in time i know there's some people i could put myself in that category and say man i sure wish i would have gotten saved a little sooner Amen. If you're here tonight and you're, you're kind of regretting getting saved, let me preach to you for a moment. I'm so thankful that God saved me, but I sure wish I would have had a few more years of being saved. Amen. Instead of living a few more years in the world. But I trust that God swooped in just in time. Amen. Right while I was a sinner. And he saved me and snatched me out of the hand of the enemy. Can anybody testify here tonight? that God saved you right in time. Oh, let's praise him here tonight. Hallelujah. We have to trust. God wanted them to remember, I saved you. I bore you out on eagle's wings. It was not... Salvation did not come because of your human ingenuity, did not come because of your intellect, did not come because of who you were related to or were not related to. It was not your education level. It was not your lack of education. It wasn't the money in your bank account or the lack of money in your bank account. He said when you got saved, when I got saved, he said it was I that bore you out on eagle's wings. We must always remember, amen, what we got saved from, but we must always remember who was the one that did the saving. Amen. If you start thinking for any moment of time that it was you that saved you, amen, then you'll start changing your salvation. You'll start editing things in or out and say, well, it was me that got me off of drugs. And so you will start making decisions that says, well, I guess I can go back a little bit that direction. But when you remember that it was the Lord that saved you just in the nick of time, amen, just before you hit your head on the ground, just before 
before your life completely collapsed and you ended up dying in sin and burning in a devil's hell. If you can remind yourself that it was the blood of Jesus, it was the Lord that saved me, you'll never want to go back. Hallelujah. If it took eagle wings to get me up out of Egypt, amen, I, I don't want to think that I can get back in Egypt by my own power, amen. But he wanted to remind them that it was the Lord that was your redeemer. It was the Lord that saved you, amen. He started the process there that we would come to know in the New Testament as redemption, redeeming them out of the hand of the enemy, it is the, the Old Testament version of regeneration that those that were lost in sin, that were dead in their trespasses and in their sins, nothing but slaves to a Pharaoh's Egypt. Amen. They were now liberated. They could walk free, no longer having shackles that would bind them, no longer having the taskmaster's whip on their back. They were regenerated where they did not have an ability Amen. To walk free. They now had the ability to walk free. Where they were not able to get, if I could preach it to somebody here today, where they were not able to get free from drugs and alcohol, when God swooped in and saved them, He regenerated them to the point where, where they were able, they were not able to say no before, they could say no now. Where they could not kick the habit, they could kick the habit now because God regenerated the brokenness of Man. Oh, somebody give him praise here tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. God, God saved them in such a way. He started regenerating them and empowering them. Amen. He took away every plague that God brought upon Egypt was wreaking havoc on Egypt. It was destroying Egypt's economy. It was destroying Egypt's faith. It was destroying Egypt's religion. It was taking the power out of the hand of the enemy. And it was empowering the people of God. Amen. You think you just went and got wet at a church in a baptismal. But I want you to know that what was happening there was God was taking power, amen, out of the hand of the enemy. And he was putting that power in your hand. Amen. Where the devil said, you're mine, I own you now. You can say I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb I was bought with a price I am not my own and devil you don't have ownership rights devil you don't have any equity in my life Oh, somebody give him praise here tonight. You didn't just get wet. You got bought with a price. You got bought with the blood of the lamb. You are not your own. And that, lets you, that should let you know I'm not owned by the devil either. I'm owned by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and give him praise here tonight. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They've been regenerated. They've been redeemed. And now they are entering into a covenant with God. Amen. Can I say it on the on these terms? They were saved now. Amen. They were saved now. They had repented of their sins. They've been baptized in Jesus' name. They've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. They've done those things. Amen. But now they're they've they've entered into that covenant with God. 
Amen. And God looked at them and he said, this covenant that I'm making with you, amen, that you're going to walk in my word and you're going to walk in my ways. He said, this is how I'm going to view you. He said, I'm going to view you as, amen, a peculiar treasure above all other people. Amen. Because the earth is mine. He said, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. See, you were just a kingdom full of slaves and people that were messed up and couldn't get free. But when I redeemed you on eagle's wings, uh, I want you to know that when you enter this covenant of salvation, uh, amen, I'm going to make you a royal priesthood. I'm going to make you a holy nation. Uh, Amen. What God was looking at uh, was that they had entered this covenant with God, uh, and he saw them at at their ideal. Uh, Amen. I want you to know when God looks at us, uh, amen, we look in the mirror and we see every mistake, we see every flaw. But when God looks at us, He looks at the ideal. He does not look at us where we are. Amen. But as we read in the book of Hebrews, he speaks the things that are not as though they were. God is standing in your future, and he's speaking a word over your life. And you can look in the mirror and say, well, I'm messed up right now. But when God speaks that word, he speaks the ideal. And we would read that same context in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 and 9. He says of the New Testament church, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. I don't feel royal right now. That's all right. God still sees you at the ideal. You're a holy nation. Well, preacher, I've not been very holy recently. That's all right. God has seen you as a holy nation, as a peculiar people. Amen. You should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I preach to us here tonight? When you entered into covenant with God, he said, I'm going to make something out of nothing. I'm going to convert chaos and make order. I'm going to take unholy and make it holy. I'm going to take unrighteous and convert it and make it righteous. I'm going to take something that does not have value or worth, and I'm going to say it is the most valuable thing to me in all of the earth. Somebody give God praise here today. Come on. That's who you are in Jesus. That's who you are in Jesus. Don't let the devil lie to you. Man, you are a royal priesthood. This is where they are. Remember, they just got saved. In fact, when when we read our text, they've only been saved for a couple months. Amen. And now that they are saved, they are entering the next stage of being saved. Salvation is both an immediate and a progressive act. They are saved, but they are also being saved. Amen. If, if salvation was just a one-time event, amen, and let me clarify that when you repent, you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe that what he did on Calvary when he said, it's finished, I want you to know that he meant what he said. It is, in fact, finished. Amen. He saved you in that very moment when you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. But now we're starting to talk about what we talked about two weeks ago. There's some other 
other words that are going to come into your life. Amen. You were saved, but now, amen, you're going from what you were saved. You are saved, but there's some other things God's going to start implementing in your life where you are being saved. Salvation was immediate, but it's also progressive, and it works its way out into your life. This is now called the act of sanctification. Amen. God sees them through the ideal royal priesthood, peculiar people, a holy nation. And yet there's a process that God puts people on. And, and some people, they, they, they come to this, and this is why uh, we, we, we baptize people. And, 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 and they've just, they said, well, that's it. That's all there is. And they move on. But they miss the fact that God is still working in their life. Amen. That God has just started them on the process. Amen. Israel had got out of Egypt, but they had not yet made it to the promised land. They had got out of Egypt, but God had yet to get Egypt out of them. And so God put them on this process called sanctification. Amen. That, that he would make them what that ideal was. He said, I see you being a royal priesthood. I see you being a holy nation. I see you at this ideal so I'm going to put you on a process called sanctification that's going to get you from amen having a slave mentality to having a royal priesthood mentality I'm going to get you out of this Egypt thought process and get you an Israel thought process I'm going to get you beyond where you are and where you feel stuck and I'm going to sanctify you to myself and make you what I've called you to be let's pray for just a moment there's some folks that are there right now. We're all in this process together. Amen. I was saved. I am saved. But I've come to tell somebody I am being saved here tonight. Oh, let's pray for just a moment. Come on, that's what you're here at church. You're saying, God, sanctify me. God, make me holy. Lord, make me more like you. Amen. The basic meaning of sanctification is to set apart to God for his use. This moral renovation in which we are increasingly changed from what we once were into what we are supposed to be. Have you ever felt stuck in the middle? Amen. Anybody ever felt stuck in the middle? You know where you came from. And, and we often use phrases like, I'm not where I, where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Now, some people use that as an excuse to why they're not moving forward, but... But there's also something there that you do need to recognize where you're at, but don't allow yourself to get stuck where you are because the Holy Ghost comes on the inside of us and it takes us where we are, but it's always taking us progressively further and further to be more like Jesus. Sanctification flows from the agency of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Even the Bible tells us of the Holy Ghost that the Holy Ghost purpose is to convict the world of sin. Amen. That is of wrongdoing. When you get the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, I, 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 some people say, well, I got the Holy Ghost because I spoke in tongues. Yes, that is a sign you received the Holy Ghost. But please, whatever you do, don't allow yourself to gossip in English. Hallelujah. I speak in tongues, but I, I, I'm a real mean person to my neighbor, and I talk bad about other people. I would start to question, amen, whether or not you are still working with the Holy Ghost. Because 
when the Holy Ghost comes on the inside, it will tell you, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. Amen. When people really get the Holy Ghost, amen, he comes in and starts doing a moral renovation in their mind and in their heart and in their emotions, and God starts convicting them and says, you don't need to go to that party anymore. You don't need to hang out with those kind of people anymore. He starts changing some things in your life. Can anybody testify that to that here tonight? Amen. Uh, if you don't have that kind of Holy Ghost, you may not have the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Because the Holy Ghost is going to say, no, 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 don't do that. I remember when I got convicted as a new convert, I used to be a compulsive liar. I, it didn't matter what it was. It was my brother 6'3". I would say he's 6'4", just to say uh, because of all the insecurities in my life. I told everybody anything I could say that was a lie, I, I was dealing with it. And I'll never forget going to church. Pastor Mayo never even preached about it. But I came home after bringing my best friend to church, uh, and I was laying there. He's on the top bunk. I'm on the bottom. Uh, and I started weeping and crying. Uh, and I, I just started thinking about every lie. I had told. I want to tell you what that was. That was the Holy Ghost sanctifying me. And I told my friend, I said, man, I lied about this. I lied about that. Of course, he told me I already knew that. But but I started repenting. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, it'll start leading you to areas of your life that maybe you forgot about. And it say, you need to make that right. It'll convict you of sin and of wrongdoing. It'll say you need to stop lying to people. You need to stop cheating people. You got to, come on somebody. It convicted me of how I treated my parents. Hallelujah. Some of the kids said amen. It convicted me of how I was as a student. It convicted me on every area of my life uh, of wrongdoing. Amen. It's the process of sanctification. Uh, God didn't want to just baptize me, get me wet, and take me to heaven. Uh, he wanted me to walk with him. Uh, he was going to change some things in my life. Uh, and that's what God is wanting to do in everybody's life here tonight. Convict the world of sin of wrongdoing. But it doesn't stop there because I know some people that have cleaned up, amen, like they swallowed soap, amen, a Tide Pod. They cleaned up real good. They got rid of all the wrongdoing. But the Bible says he convicts the world of sin and of righteousness. Somebody say righteousness. Everybody likes to talk about sin. We know what sin is, but I think we've missed half of the gospel by not talking about righteousness. Hallelujah. Righteousness is right doing, right living, right thinking. Amen. The Holy Ghost doesn't just come up and tell you stop doing that. The Holy Ghost will also come by and tell you you need to start doing that. Uh, the Holy Ghost doesn't just get you out of the bar. The Holy Ghost say you need to start going to the altar. The Holy Ghost won't get you to stop. Just stop lying. Uh, the Holy Ghost will tell you it's time to start going out and telling somebody the truth. Uh, come on. If you don't have that conviction, uh, you need to let God sanctify you here tonight uh, and say, God, convict me uh, of doing some right things to go out and do what is right. Amen. It's not enough. It is not enough, church. We cannot be sanctified if all we've done is cleaned ourselves up. We will become, amen, as the Bible says, men full of dead men's bones. We'll become open sepulchers that were whitewashed tombs. We look real good on the outside, but on the inside, we've not allowed God to pour anything good in. Yeah, we got a lot of junk out, but we never got anything good in. I think there's there's something bad about, amen, just getting the bad out, amen, 
it's that you never got the good in. You got to get a prayer life in there. You got to get in the Word of God. The Holy Ghost will say, You got to go and forgive people when they don't deserve it. Oh, come on, somebody. It'll convict you of sin, of wrongdoing. Amen. I, I, I've heard people say, Man, I heard from God. And it's always the, I heard from God, I'm going to be a missionary. I heard from God what color socks to wear. But, 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 but here's a true test if you've heard from God. If you've heard from God, it says, you know what? You offended that person. You should go say something to them. Uh, hallelujah. You know, you, 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 you should go and, and tell. I, you know, I love this because people, I've heard it so many times. I, I feel called to be a preacher. But that same Holy Ghost on the inside will tell you, go tell your neighbor about me. That's called of, of sin and of righteousness. We are sanctified by Jesus' work on Calvary. And now through the process of sanctification, we are aligning ourselves indeed with that reality. What God sees me as, I may not be it today, but if I will allow the Holy Ghost to work on me, amen, it will change me both inside and outside. Hallelujah. Regeneration is birth. Amen. That's what happens when you're born again. But sanctification is the growth. This is why some people have never progressed uh, from newborn babes in Christ uh, that Paul talked about, that he wants to give them the meat of the Word of God, but because they've never made it past being a baby in Jesus, uh, they just only can handle, uh, amen, the, the, the message of repentance, but they can't handle the message of getting a prayer life or changing the way that they live or changing the way that they act act around others. Amen. That, that regeneration is birth, but sanctification is when you start to grow up in Jesus. You start to grow up in God, and you move beyond being petty, amen, to being Pentecostal. You move beyond, amen, gossip to the gospel. There's a transition there. Hallelujah. In, re in regeneration, God implants desires that were not there before, a desire for God, a desire for holiness. Amen. For glorifying God's name in the world. A desire to pray. A desire to worship. A desire to love and bring this benefit of the gospel to somebody else. Amen. In sanctification, the Holy Ghost works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Another translation says that it works in us both to will and to work. Amen. When people talk about God's will, I ask them, what? What is God's work? It's not God's will that any should perish. That means we should go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We've got to let the Holy Ghost sanctify us so we can walk in his will and start walking in his work. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise here tonight. Amen. According to God's purpose. Amen. It's going to be according to God's purpose. He enables his people to fulfill these new godly desires. Regeneration is a momentary act. What Jesus did on Calvary, bringing a person from spiritual death to life, it is exclusively God's work. It is God bearing them up out on eagles' wings. But sanctification is both an immediate, that I once was lost but now I'm found, but it's also a progressive, ongoing process where God is making us holy, where God is separating 
separating us from our lost and dying world unto himself. This is where we get verses like Paul wrote, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Amen. Well, I got saved, but guess what? In order to be saved, you're going to have to go through sanctification. You're going to have to go through separation. And God's going to separate us, amen, from some wrong things. And God's going to separate us unto some right things. Somebody give him praise here tonight. Amen. And so this is where they're at. I'm saved. Now what? Anybody ever heard that? I'm saved. Now what? you got to go through a process of becoming. Amen. Well, I just arrived. Please give me the destination. I'd like to figure out how to get there. You start by going through the gospel. Awesome. That is exactly what we need to do. But now we enter this process of God separating us out and God making us what he is wanting us to be. He told Moses to now you're going to sanctify the people. Amen. God, God has called Moses to prepare the people for the sound of the trumpet. Does that anybody read the same thing I read in my Bible? Amen. He said, you're going to sanctify the people. Amen. You're going to set boundaries around the mountain uh, that they can't come near or touch uh, until they hear the sound of the trumpet. Uh, and God has called Moses uh, to preach a gospel uh, that did not just end with them getting out of Egypt, uh, but a gospel that started to get Egypt out of them. Uh, and it's a process until the trumpet sounds. Well, Pastor, when am I done? I'll tell you when you're done. When the trumpet sounds. When he calls his church up out of this world. Come on. How long do we got to be sanctified? Until the trumpet sounds. How long we got to do this? Until the trumpet sounds. How long do we got to serve God? Until the trumpet sounds. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord here today. Oh, come on, let's pray for a moment. You, you don't graduate from this sanctification class. You don't graduate from holiness. You don't graduate from separation from the world. You don't, you don't graduate from being separated unto God. It's until the trumpet sounds. Some people think they did it one time. I lined up one time, so therefore I must be good. And they start to go back. That's called backsliding. Hallelujah. You, can, you know, it's possible backslide but never leave the church. The coin was lost in the house. Hallelujah. You can be lost and still in the house. Sanctification is something you have to, you have to be willing to agree to. Amen. You have to be willing to work with it. He asked them. He, he said it before the people. And he said, will you do this? And they said, all the words that you spoke, Moses, that's what we're going to do. Amen. There's, there's an ebb and a flow from the pulpit to the pew. It's my job to preach you the whole counsel of God. But there is a responsibility that I cannot take on my back and my shoulders for you. And that's saying, yes, pastor. Amen. You preach it. I see it in the word of God. And I'm going to go forward with it. Amen. There is a responsibility 
that has to rest on each and every individual's shoulders uh, that said, yes, God, I see the ideal. I'm going to be a royal priesthood. I see the ideal. I'm going to be a peculiar nation. I see the ideal. I'm going to be a holy nation. Uh, I I see the ideal. I'm going to be a king and a priest uh, in your kingdom, God. Uh, And the preacher's preaching it. And the preacher's proclaiming it. Uh, But there has to be an acceptance uh, and a responsibility that says, yes, God, I will hear. And yes, God, I will obey your word. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray for just a moment. Come on, let's pray. Come on, there's responsibility to being saved. There's responsibility to being saved. I'm not jumping off the bandwagon of sanctification. I'm not jumping off of this process. I'm going to do it until the trumpet sounds. God told Moses, there's some things I need you to do to sanctify the people until that trumpet sounds. And I'm going to use this to hopefully bring about a point because before I start uh, going through things and listing them, I want you to see my heart as a pastor. My heart as a pastor is not a list of do's and don'ts. I hope you've seen that in three years. I don't operate that way. I want to get the why out there before we ever start listing some things. So let me help some folks with a couple of whys here tonight. Amen. The Bible tells Moses, you are to set boundaries unto the people round about, saying, take heed to yourselves. We hear that in the New Testament. Take heed to yourselves and to the gospel. Amen. Amen. My job is to set boundaries around the people. Amen. Everybody say the word boundaries. Say it again, boundaries. You got to have boundaries. Everybody say the word border. The kingdom of God has borders. Amen. You got to have boundaries. You got to have borders. Everybody say line. You got to draw a line in the sand. Amen. You got to have an ancient landmark that people can't pluck up and remove. But I got a question where does the mountain start? If touching the mountain, coming to the border of the mountain kills you. Hallelujah. If coming to the border of the mountain and touching the mountain causes your family to be lost, where's the mountain start? There are people that would like to take the mountain in their own mind, what we call moral relativity. And they say, in my life, according to my truth, this is where the border is. And they want to dictate what they think is a heaven or hell issue. Although I hope you've heard it from me a thousand times. It's not about heaven or hell. It's about getting close to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. We'll be talking about that in a couple weeks. Amen. But there are people that would like to, to say, well... I don't think that's where a mountain starts. If I were to ask you here today, we are right up against the Sierra Nevada mountains, and I were to ask everybody with all your science degrees you got from Facebook, where does the mountain start? Come on, shout it out. Call and respond. Where's the mountain start, Brother Mark? Where's the base? At the trail? Okay, we're going to start at the trail now. I'm going to prove a point. It's going to help somebody. Even science doesn't know. Because a mountain started when the tectonic plates collide. So is it at the very collision? And here's the thing about a mountain. It never goes straight down. 
There's a collision. They've been coming for thousands of miles, and they finally got a connection point. So where does the mountain start? You can't just go straight down to what you call the base of the mountain. You might have to go 1,000 miles into the sea where the slope finally stops, dips in the Mariana Trench, and you say that's where the mountain starts. That's where the mountain starts, right? And God told Moses, you set up the boundaries. Can I get some folks to help me too, too, y'all? You might have to zoom out. Here we go. This is a great, beautiful line. Y'all just stand right here. These strapping gentlemen. Go forward. Okay. Let's assume for a moment this is Moses' line. Everybody see it? Hopefully it's plain. Now Moses says, if they come near the mountain, near the border of the mountain, touch the mountain, it's going to be their family's blood on my hands. Okay. Now, you might have an opinion that says, well, I, I think that's a little extreme. And Moses says, well, I don't want the people to not like me. Come on, guys, let's move them out. Okay, we're going to start it. Somebody yelled out, trail. Or base. We'll start at the base. We're going to go to the base. All right, there there you go, church. There's the base. Well, well, I don't really like that. Because you know there's a secret about pastoring I've learned over three years, and even when I was teaching Bible studies, you'll never please everybody. So you, just, you might as well just stand firm and just let people dislike you because they're going to do it anyways. No, I don't, I don't really like that. That's No, no. I think it starts at the trail. Oh, okay, church. Okay, this is where we're going to start. This is the, the unanimous vote of the church. How would you feel if we did that and God says the mountain actually started back here and you enter eternity and you're lost? You know what people view this as? Come back, gentlemen. Let's bring this. Let's get holy. Let's sanctify, all right? <laughs> a lot of people view this as a cage, Elder Johnson. Just hold me in. You hold me back. If I could just. You know what? I learned this from my pastor. I got a lot of respect for him. Because you know how many people told him if you just, I, I, he had just started the church. They were getting ready to buy, buy their first building and get out of their storefront. And he drew a line. They had finally got up to about 60 people. And he said, God spoke to him, it's time to get television out. Now, now we have YouTube, and we have a lot of other stuff, so I can't just tell you to get rid of a box. I've got to start talking about content, uh, and I've got to define it out even harder. It's a, it's a different giant for a new generation, and I'll do my best to draw the line and help people understand it, because now it's no longer pointing at one thing. I've got I've to actually draw the line in a lot of areas. But, but, but at that time, it was very simple. We're going to get Hollywood out. I still preach that. We're going to get television out. We're going to get rid of that. We're going to move that. He gets up and preached, and there was a man in the church that had just received several million dollar settlement. And they were getting ready to move into a new building. They were getting ready to move forward, and he thought this is the worst time to draw swords. But he did it anyways. And that man came up to him and said, you know, if you just move this line, You'll never have to worry about a thing. We'll take care of it all. We'll take it. You just, you just, don't worry about that. 
But my pastor was so convinced that if he did that, that that family would be lost. He said, you can, you can keep your money. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me preach in the spirit of my pastor. You can keep your money because I'm going to keep my line. Hallelujah. You can keep your opinions. I'll keep my line. Because at the end of the day... If I, if I draw a line and I am too far this way and your family saved, you won't say a thing when we get to heaven. But if I go too far this way and I capitulate to everybody's opinion and you die and your family's lost and you never reach the ideal, you will be shaking your fist from the lake of fire. How come he never told me the truth? How come he never told me what thus saith the Lord? So you go ahead and keep Keep your opinions. I'll keep my line. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Hold, hold this for just a moment. Let's pray. Let's pray for a moment. Come on, it's not a cage. It's a guardrail. It's not a cage. It's your saving grace. It's not a cage. It's saving your family. And there's going to be times you disagree. I want you to know you have every right to come ask questions. I don't know where in Pentecost they started saying you can't ask questions. Ask the question. Because there's lines that have been drawn because of doctrine. Everybody say doctrinal lines. All right. We all on board with that. And then there's times where lines are drawn on precepts. Precepts. Everybody say precepts. Okay, this is a direct commandment in the Word. It may not be in a, a thousand different verses, but we can find it at least in one. And I can quote you the verse, and we, can, we don't have to debate about nothing. Everybody say principle. There's times where you got principled lines. Amen. A precept is based off of a principle. Amen. But the principle is the foundation. Amen. It's when I may not be able to show you the verse that says, Thou shalt not smoke crack, but I can show you enough principles that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost in whom the Spirit of God dwells. Whosoever defiles the temple, him shall God destroy. Amen. I may not be able to show you the exact verse that says, Thou shalt not observe Hollywood, but I can show you the verse that says, Thou shalt not commit adultery, and you shouldn't be entertained by it either. I can show you a lot of other things, and this is where we got to draw the line. And sometimes there's traditional lines. Everybody say tradition. The Bible talks about continuing the traditions of your fathers. I, I know there's a whole generation that wants to look at something that somebody with gray hair said and say, well, it's no longer relevant. I am not that kind of preacher. Okay. All right. I don't want to remove an ancient landmark just to remove it because I think I got a better idea because I do know for a fact uh, that a lot of those men were praying seven, eight hours a day uh, and they were in the Holy Ghost uh, and the Holy Ghost began to speak to them uh, and they drew a line and said, you know what, uh, we see it coming down the road. Uh, amen. There was men that, that, that said no television back when it was Leave It to Beaver. Uh, there's no way they would have ever known Netflix was coming. Uh, they never would have known the trash that was coming off the Internet Amen. And out there in this world. But they saw far enough in the Holy Ghost to say, This is not leading us closer to God. This is leading us closer to our destruction and closer to our demise. So I'll keep my line. There's traditional lines. And then sometimes there's fellowship lines because unity is important. Hallelujah. And sometimes there are lines drawn because of culture. Hallelujah. 
Because there's some things that if I were to do in another culture would be offensive. As long as none of those disagree with the word of God, let's keep our line. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray in this house. Come on, where's the mountain start? Where Moses drew the line. Where does the mountain start? Where the man of God drew the line. Where's the mountain start? It starts where where men of God of old have drawn the line. Where's the mountain start? Where the word of God drew the line. Where does the mountain start? It starts where the principle started. Where does the mountain start? It's where the precept started. Where's the mountain start? Amen. It's right there. Amen. Where, where God designed it to be. And where the man of God prayed and said, this is where we got to put it. Let's all stand across the building, lift up our hands, and let's pray. Let's pray for just a few moments. Hopefully I can answer some whys here tonight. Why does the apostolic church draw a line here? Why does the apostolic church draw a line there? Because we're convinced. Amen. We may not know exactly where the mountain starts, but I don't want to get you so close to the mountain that you're lost. Amen. I might be wrong, but nobody's going to go to heaven. Amen. And be mad at me. They'll be mad at me, and they'll be mad at everybody else if we drew the line too far back or too far forward, and it caused them to be lost. You know what they've used in modern generation that you know what they said and, and typically it's well we'll get into that another time but you're a legalist you're a legalist and yet every person in this in this in this house hopefully has set lines and boundaries for their kids for their marriage with other people you're a legalist there's an old preacher, if I mention his name, you'd know him. He says he has a great example of this. There's a preacher that said, Would you let people on your would you let people on your on your platform that had their sleeves to their ankles? He said, sure. <laughs> Might look a little weird, but sure. He said, Would you let it if they were to the if they were right here to the wrist? He said, sure. He said, Would you would you let it if they were here? He said, Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, I I'd do that. How about if they were all the way up here? And this seems like just, you know, no big deal. Okay, but this translates to a lot of things. He said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's not a problem. We shouldn't be so legalistic about that. What if it was up here? Yeah, that's not a problem. What if they weren't wearing a shirt? Well, well I mean, they got to wear some clothes. You're a legalist. You just drew a line. The difference is where we chose to draw the line. As a pastor, it is my job to draw lines. And let me tell you, I don't like doing it. Because I know it, it often can make a lot of people less disagreeable to just leave them alone. But we got to see this through the proper lens. Even though for me it's not easy to draw lines, it doesn't really benefit me as a pastor. It actually causes me a little bit of problems with people sometimes. Dealing with people can often be easier when I don't have lines. But drawing lines saves all of us. 1 Timothy 4.16 Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 
in preaching the way I preach, teaching the way I teach, living the way I live, I'm not just saving you. I am saving my family as well. In building the ark of God, the way that God has declared it to me, I am doing it not just for your family, but I am doing it for mine as well. The Bible says in Philippians 3 and 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things unto you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Amen. I would rather preach a church that is safe than one that is always teetering the line and tiptoeing because we have opinions from everybody. And thank God in three years I've not got a lot of opinions on this from people. Amen. But but I want us to remember that when we draw the line and we say the mountain starts here, it is not a cage. It is a guardrail that keeps your family safe. My job is not to be your golfing buddy, although I probably should learn. It is to keep you safe. Well, preacher, what's the problem with watching a little bit of this? Let's look down the road a little bit. What's the problem? Okay, let's, let's take one example. Here we go. I didn't mean to do this, but let's do it. Pentecost has historically taken a, a, a very strong stance against drinking alcohol. I still take that stance. Well, the Bible says, I've heard people use all that, Jesus turned water into wine. Come on, you know you heard that. But the Bible also says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. See, I asked my grandparents, my good old Baptist grandma, drank a glass of wine with every meal. I said, Grandma, where's excess when you drink wine? She said, oh, it's probably when you get buzzed. Moral relativity. It's probably when you get drunk. And I said, Grandma, you've been a Baptist all your life. Tell me the truth now that you're in your 80s. Have you ever gotten drunk? And she said, yeah, quite a few times. And I said, so, Grandma, you had to cross the line to determine where it was. So Pentecost just said, you know what? This is dangerous. And as we look through our history as a nation, even upwards from prohibition, man, it has messed up a lot of families, mine included. The Bible also says in Proverbs, be not drunk with wine. Amen. No, it says, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 20, it says that strong drink is raging, that wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I want to look where the Bible has a principle that says it's not wise to do that and say I choose wisdom over a little fun or a little buzz. Amen. I'm using one example. I'm not going to all of them. So that's a line. I'm not moving. Because the last thing we need is just people going crazy as they were in the book of 1 Corinthians, bringing their own alcohol to church and getting drunk. We could go down the line one by one. But what I want to present to us here tonight where does the mountain start? Moses, you've got to draw the line. And as a pastor, I take my job very serious that i got to draw a line. And sometimes I may not be your friend when I do it. You might not like me, but that's all right. I'd rather you love me when you get to heaven than like me here on earth. And I'll draw that line. 
and I'll do it with prayer, and I'll do my best not to be mean about it. I will never do, I will never do anything to hurt somebody intentionally, but I'll draw that line because I want the church here in Carson City to be saved. I want the church in Carson City to have the right atmosphere. I want the church in Carson City to be safe. Let's pray all across the building. Where's the mountain start? Where the man of God drew the line. So I'm not going to put my toe on the line. I'm just going to, I'm going to say, you know what, if that's where the line is. If Adam said, don't even touch it lest you die. I'm not going to even touch that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And subsequently, I'll never eat of it either. I want to, I want to take that line and I want to be saved. I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray here today? Maybe you don't, you don't like where the line's drawn. I, I welcome you to ask me the questions. But please, for heaven's sake, don't tiptoe the line. Please, for the gospel's sake, amen, you, you just back up from it and say, oh, no, I, I want to make sure that my family makes it to heaven. I want to make sure that we're sanctified and holy living for God. I want to make sure that we're close to Jesus. I want to make sure that we're doing it according to the word of God. Come on, would you pray? Come on, I'm up here on the mountain. I'm standing, looking out and saying, that's going to hurt you. Watchmen on the wall, don't go near that area. Don't go near that line. It might cost you your family. It might cost you your ministry. It might cost you your purpose. It might cost you an extra blessing. Come on, somebody needs a prayer here tonight. God, separate me for yourself. Sanctify me unto you. Sanctify me for your purpose. Separate me for your purpose, Jesus. That's the Holy Ghost is flowing in this house. making a declaration say my family's just come up a little too close to the lines I may not understand it but Lord you put that man up on that wall I'm going to kind of come back a little bit where my family's safe
Come on, let, let that be your prayer here tonight. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to get closer to God. Holiness, holiness is what you you're praying, let me help somebody here tonight. When that trumpet sounds, I don't want to be too close to the mountain. There's not one person, elder, that's going to come in here, get to heaven and say, you mean I could have watched this and still made it? Nobody's going to look in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus and say, you mean I could have I I got away with that? Nobody. Because when you see the magnificence and the holiness of God, you know what angels do when they get in the presence of God? They've got six wings. One covers their feet, one covers their face, and the other one flies around the throne of God. Because they're embarrassed, having never messed up, never sinned, to be in the holiness of God. There's none of us that are going to stand there saying, man, I wish I'd have done X, Y, or Z. No, I, I promise you this. Everybody that's ever gotten the presence of God through your Bible, Isaiah said, woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips. He started recognizing all the areas that he had stepped over the line. And it made him say, God, would you cleanse me? And the Bible says there came a coal from the altar and it touched his lips and purified him. That's what we're doing here tonight. We're saying, God, when I stand and I, I can I consider the holiness of God and the and the and, and just the purity of God, would you sanctify me as well? Amen. Would you make me holy like you are holy, God? I, I might have gone a little too close to the line and came too close to the border of, of what you have, God. But I'm gonna take a few steps back because I'm now in your presence. I'm not in a carnal mindset. I'm in the altar and I'm praying. Amen. Never make decisions when you're carnal. Make decisions after a prayer meeting and say, maybe uh, there's more to this than I can recognize. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, man, I could have got away with this. But I want to, I want to make it known. Whatever you give up to go to heaven, it will be worth it. The reason that heaven is described as a crystal sea and streets of gold is not so we can think about making money. It's so it, it, we can recognize the things we value here on earth are nothing but cobblestones in heaven. And whatever you got to give up to walk on cobblestones of gold, it's going to be worth it. But let me save somebody by fear as well. Anything you have to give up to go to heaven, 
you're going to have to give up when you get to hell. Ain't no parties in hell. You might as well give it up now. There's no smoking or drinking in hell. You might as well give it up now. There's no, Come on, somebody. Let's go this way. There's no gossip in hell. You might as well give it up now. Hallelujah. There, there, there is no immodesty in hell. You might as well give that up now too. Hallelujah. Whatever you got to give up to go to heaven. Amen. If you ever reach that unfortunate day where he says you're cast in outer darkness, all the things that you had on earth that you refused to give up, you're going to have to give up when you get into the lake of fire. So this is my decision, and I pray it's yours. Whatever I got to do today, God, I'm going to do it now. Whatever I got to put on the altar today, God, I'm going to put it on the altar today. Whatever I got to give up now, I'm going to give it up now. Come on, let's pray one more time all across this house. Come on, would you lift up your voice? Whatever I got to do, God. Whatever sanctifies me, whatever makes me holy in your eyes, God. Amen. Whatever, whatever I have in my life that maybe is defiled in my life, uh, that you're convicting me to get rid of. Maybe there's some things I'm not doing right that I could be doing. Uh, convict me tonight uh, so that I can start doing it, God. Uh, so I can make heaven my home uh, and serve you for all of eternity. Come on, would you pray in this house? I feel the holiness of God in this place. I feel, I feel Jesus in this house. Would you? Pray. Be holy, holy like you. Come on, let's pray that. Make me holy like you, Jesus. Be holy, holy like you. Holy Spirit, purify me. Come on, cleanse and make me new, Jesus. Come on, let's pray for just a few moments. Come on, that trumpet's going to sound any moment, church. I don't want anything holding me down. I want to meet him in the sky. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight. God, I thank you that you are holy. But I also thank you that you call me to a higher level. You call me to be holy as you are holy. And God, you gave me your Holy Spirit so that I could be holy like you are. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Ghost will be in operation in each and every one of our lives. God, that that Holy Ghost would purify us, would sanctify us would call us closer to you. If there be anything in me, God, anything wicked, God, anything that I'm doing wrong, God, convict me of it. If there's anything I could be doing better, doing right, convict me of that as well, God. If I got a little too close to any lines, God, that I know are, are going to they're going to cause me damage. I pray, Lord, would you would you just tug at my coattails and pull me back? Would you send a preacher to preach to me? Would you convict me in the altar? Would you convict me through your word? Would you convict me through prayer? Would you call me closer to you? In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. Praise God. Amen. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Let's not forget Saturday.